I want um, for the next few minutes to be able to share a little bit of hope in the midst of confusion and, and, and chaos that we call life on earth. Um, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited. How many here have traveled either here or, or somewhere else this, this weekend? I did. We just got back. We left 5.30 this morning, our time to get back from Indianapolis to get back here and, and time to be here. And um, I'll just tell you, honestly, it's good to be standing. So, so, that's, so if I move around a little bit, it's just to kind of stay awake. So um, we, we travel a lot. I don't know about you guys, but our family travels a lot. We traveled a lot when I was a kid. And my kids get used to it. And we, there are times when we'll travel um, 13, 14 hours in a day just because I'm one of those people that's just like point A to point B. And you always get that question, are we there yet? Are we there yet? How much further? How much further? Are we there yet? And so I finally got to the point where my answer was always five minutes. It didn't matter. If we had just started, it didn't matter. It was going to be five minutes and I told my kids, I said, eventually I'll probably be right. But, and, um, and so if my kids have to go to the bathroom, <clears throat> I sit there and say, well, you're going to have to wait. You know, we'll, you know, we'll see when, you know, when I feel like stopping. And if I have to go to the bathroom, we'll stop. But <laughs> I do this on, on, on mission trips or retreats with teens. I remember one time, it was years ago, <clears throat> the guy's, um, he's 30 years old now, but he was in my high school group. And we were going on a trip, and we had just stopped any parent can relate to this. We just stopped, go to the bathroom, had a bunch of kids, get back in, and we're heading out. <clears throat> it was five minutes, five minutes after we got going again. Nelson, I got to go to the bathroom. And I was just like, man, you're going to have to wait. I'm sorry. And so he was just kind of, oh, you know, the drama and all stuff like that. And finally, we came up to a rest area. And I just said, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to show the side of me that nobody really knows. So I pull in, and I get in, and I watch him, and he's like, oh, and I get right back on the highway, and I go. And I just went. And to this day, I think he still has bladder problems um, because of me. But it's that, it's that question we always get when we're driving somewhere. Are we there yet? And tonight, I want to answer that question when it comes to life on this earth and when it comes to heaven. And the question, are we there yet? The answer, thank God, is no, we're not. This earth is not our home. We're just passing through, and we're going to look at a lot of different passages that are going to talk about that. We just saw that story about bad things that happen, and we try to sometimes make sense out of things. There are things that happen because we made a dumb mistake. And if we're honest, we sit there and go, there are bad things that are happening in my life because I made a dumb choice, and I'm reaping the consequences for that. But there are things that happen in our lives where there's absolutely nothing we did, we had no control over it, and it's just these bad things are happening. And we sit there, and there's so many times when we cry out to God saying, God, make some sense out of this. And sometimes God chooses to do that. Sometimes God chooses not to. He chooses to say, hey, you know what, you're going to have to trust me that I know what's going on, even when it doesn't look like it. And we can ask, you know, why is this stuff happening? Why are these bad things happening in our life? This past um, probably six weeks, six to eight weeks, I've, uh, I was asked to become a police chaplain and to go with um, the sheriffs and, the, um, and the, 
Dubuque police on different calls. Well, all the calls that I've gone on are death notification calls. So the police will call, and they'll say, hey, we've got to, um, we've got to go out, and we have to inform this family that a loved one has died. And if you've been watching the news at all in Dubuque, pretty much all the ones, these, these um, deaths that have happened, I've, I'm the one, one of the people that's going out there with um, the police, and I'm informing these families about what's happened. And it is hard. It is really hard to sit there and go in because this last one, you guys, probably most of you know about this accident on, on the bridge, East to be Bridge. Um, I'm, I'm going in. The dad is just backing out to go to work. And we pull up in our police car. We come out. And they know. As soon as they see you, they know that something's not right. And... And so we have to go in and we, we have to get everyone together. You don't want to sit there and tell one person and then tell another. You want to tell everyone at the same time, which is hard because they're just asking questions and they want to know. So we come in and the mother comes down the hall. And she's just screaming. She just said, and, and the reason I can share the story is because I went to Gavin's wake just a couple of days, um, just a few days ago. Susan and I went and we walked through the line. And it was a long line. I mean, it was, I mean, so we got up there and talking to the mother and the father, and she goes, you look familiar. And the dad right away came up and hugged me and said he knew who I was. And they just talked for a while and just said, thank you so much for what you do. And just kind of, it was kind of, kind of surreal to sit there and have them thanking me. But as we were talking, she said, share this story with Gavin, about Gavin with anyone. You know, I want it to be out there, you know, for his memory. And so the reason I'm sharing this is because, I, you know, I don't want it to be something where you, you think, oh, you know, he's just sharing stuff that people don't want shared. She asked me to share. And so as I'm going into this house, she's just, she's crying. She knows something's wrong. She's pounding on the door for her son to come out. So they come out, and she's just asking, it's Gavin, it's Gavin, isn't it? And so we have to sit there and say, it is. And we have to say that he's dead. They fall to the ground. On the ground crying. And at that point, I'm sitting there going, you know, God, I don't know anything I can possibly say that's going to make them feel any better. I spent the next minutes that went into hours sitting next to Gavin's 16-year-old brother who's trying to make sense out of all this. And I just sat there and I just, I cried with him. And he's asking why. And all I could tell him was, you know what, I don't have an answer for that. The only answer I have is that I believe in a God who knows everything. And that's the only thing that I can trust in. Even in those times when it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. And that's what I want to encourage us to think about. When we think about those times in our lives where it doesn't make sense, God, why would you allow these things to happen? We've got to rely on what God's Word tells us, that He's in control, even when it makes absolutely no sense. And um, there's a hope that we have, and that hope is called heaven. We have a hope of knowing that what's going on in this earth is not all there is. 
we're going to share in a couple minutes just about the fact that if you come to the point of knowing who Christ is as your Savior, you can look at this earth and everything that goes on and say, thank you, God, that this is the worst it's ever going to be. Thank you that there's a place out there that's so much better that you're preparing for us. And no, we're not there yet. And when we, we look at John 14, I'm going to be looking at a few different verses, but John 14, 1 through 3, it says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And that place is heaven. And understanding that Christ is now preparing a place. He said, I'm, I'm going, I'm preparing a place for you so that you can be with me. So that you can spend eternity with me. I went and I googled um, movies on heaven. And I don't know what I would have done you, you know, 25 years ago when I was preaching, you know, because we didn't have Google. So we, I, I would have just made this up. But now I can actually say that there's close to 500 movies about heaven. And, of course, we all know the most popular one. All dogs go to heaven. So, so but you've got all these movies. And it's something that people are interested in, finding out more about it, up to just this year. You know, that heaven is for real. This, you know, you've you got the story of this boy that they wrote a book and then they made a movie out of it. But everyone is interested in heaven and what, what's heaven going to be like. I don't know if any of you have ever been to, like, um, Chicago has like a Billy Graham museum. I guess it was years ago that I went. But I remember walking through and you walk through this dark hallway and you're walking through and you're, and you're turning and you're making turns and it's just dark. It's really dark and it's hard to see. And you're going around, you're going around. All of a sudden, you make this turn, and poof, the music, you can hear the music, the lights, and it's just kind of that, that picture of heaven that we always seem to have, the harps and the angels, and it's just that music, and it's just the angelic music. And it was kind of weird because I was walking in this dark hallway, and I couldn't hear it. I couldn't hear anything. I couldn't see anything. And I turned this corner, and boom, there it is. And I was like, wow, you know what? In a sense, that's a picture of what God's telling us. When we're on this earth, there are going to be times when we're walking, and it feels like we're walking in a dark alley. We're stumbling. We, can't, we don't know where we're going because there's things happening in our lives that, we, that just don't make sense. But there's going to come a point where we're going to turn the corner, and we're going to face God. And it's going to be like, wow, that is amazing. And, I, and I, I, when I think about that, I think about the fact that that, t- that little tiny piece is nothing, absolutely nothing in comparison to what God has planned for us. And it's exciting to, to understand that because I tell people all the time, I said, if you come to the point where you think you, you, you understand who God is and how powerful he is, you need to find a bigger God. Because the God that I worship is a God that there's no possible way I can get my hands around. I can't get my mind around how incredible he is. And that's the God who's preparing a place for us in heaven. John 16, 33 tells us that we're going to go through trials. He says um, that the trials on this earth, Christ has, has overcome. 
He said, all the trials on this earth I've overcome in this world. No matter what it is you've gone through or you're going through, Christ says, I've come to overcome you that. If you look, if you do anything as far as like turn the TV on and watch the news, you can't possibly walk away not being depressed about what's going on. When you look at all the things going on, you look at Ebola, ISIS, Ferguson, the elections. You look at all this stuff and you sit there and go, our world is a mess. And it doesn't matter what side you're on. And with the elections, we sit there and half the country sits there and goes, oh, thank God these people were elected. Now things will get right. And the other half goes, oh, we're doomed for life until two years from now when we can get the right people in. And it only takes a week or two to realize the people that we elected are just as big of knuckleheads as we are. They're not any different than we are. And if we're sitting there relying on, on the elections to save our country, we're going to be in real trouble. And, and when we look at that, we, we sit there, we have to understand that God's in control of even the elections. I mean, there are times when you can probably sit there and go, God, I think you missed one. Because that person got in, so I don't know if you know something was going on, but I, I, think, I, I think you really messed up on that one, God. Romans 13.1, it tells us, Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. That's a hard verse sometimes to grasp when you're, when you're looking at some of the things going on in the world and some of the decisions that may be made. It doesn't matter who's in charge. To sit there and hear that God is the one who's placed the authorities there. And if God decides, I don't want that person there anymore, it doesn't matter how many votes that person got. They won't be there. God's the one that places people there. And God is in control of things that go on in this earth, even when it doesn't make any sense. So, so everything's under God's control. And if you don't believe in God, or you're sitting and saying, I don't really understand who God is, that can be a scary thing. But if you come to a place of understanding, I know that God loves me. I know what Christ did for me on the cross. God being in control should be a comforting thing. It should be something that we sit and go, God, thank God you are in control. And thank God it's not me or it's not other men or women that are in control. But it's you. I've shared some of these stories before, but, you know, I only have six. So, get, you know, if I preach more than six times, you're going to hear them again. Um, my wife and I were in Montreal, and we went to this labyrinth. And a labyrinth is basically you just pay money to get lost in a maze. Um, and so they, they do it out of corn in Iowa because we have so much of it. But, um, and so we went to this labyrinth, and it's just this giant maze. You go in there, and you're walking around, and you're hitting a wall, and you turn around, and you go, okay. And you come back, and you hit another wall. And then probably after five or ten minutes, you realize you keep hitting the same wall. And you just, you don't know where you're going. And so finally you get to the middle and you come up these steps and you cut to the top. And you can see the entire maze. You can see where you've been. You can see where you've got to go. And when you're up there, you look around and you kind, of, you kind of map out. And you try to think in your head, you know, like, you know, how am I going to get through this? All right, go left there, go right there. Well, we turned around and we saw this guy. And he was getting frustrated. You know, he just kind of kept bumping into the wall and just kind of, you know, he just couldn't get through it. 
So finally, we got his attention. He looked up, and we kind of guided him. We said, you know, we told him left, right, like that. And he got up to the, to the bridge where we were, and he just starts hugging me. He just starts hugging, and I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of nice. And then he just starts talking, and just, oh, he's so excited. In French. I took six years of French, and I'm proud to say I had no idea what the guy was saying. And I'm just like, okay. And so I basically got to the point where I would, he would laugh, and I would laugh. And he would say something, and, and then next time he laughed, ah! You know, and I didn't know. You know we're, he thinks we're having a conversation. I'm clueless to what he's saying, but he's just excited about the fact that he's not going to die in, in the maze. And when I thought about that, I thought about the fact that when we think about God being in control, God is looking down. This life on this earth is a mess. Can we agree on that? It does not matter how good you have it. This life is a mess. And God looks down and he says, I want to help you. I want to guide you through this mess that we call life. He says, if you look up and you'll trust me, I will get you through this maze. There'll be times when you'll hit a dead end. But that's because we took our eyes off of God and we decided, I got this now. I think I, you know, I got a head start, so I'm good. And we hit a dead end. And then pretty soon we say, I've got to look back up. And we look back up to God and God guides us through. And he says, this is the plan I have for you. He's in control. Even when it doesn't seem like it. Even those times when you sit there and go, God, you've missed something. We've got to understand that God truly is in control. Another big thing that's going on is immigration. I mean, that's all of the news. I want to share something here, and I think this is politically correct. God has an immigration policy. God's immigration policy is there's a border between us and heaven. And the cross is the only opening between them. That wall is built because of sin. And there's absolutely nothing that we can do to tear that wall down. But if we're honest, there are times when we believe that there is. We believe that all I have to do is be good enough. If I'm just good enough, if my good outweighs my bad, God's going to look and say, you just made it. But you're in. Or we go the other way and we sit there and we look for somebody who's worse than we are. Which for some of us is easy and some of us it's not so easy. But we sit there and say, God, before you judge me, look over here. They are awful. And we think, okay, as long as he's looking at them and keeps his eyes off me, when he finally comes back and looks at me, he's going to say, you're not that bad. But that's not the way God works. God sits there and he says, Romans, this is called the Romans Road. It's kind of basically the gospel in a nutshell. And it's going through um, verses in Romans. Romans 3.23, it says, all of us have sinned. And we all fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and we've all messed up. And because of that sin, God said, I have to put a barrier between yourself and God. Because God said, I can't be in the presence of sin. I can't be in the, in the presence of sin. So then it goes on in six, Romans 6.23 and says that the consequences, the wages of that sin is death. The wages of sin is, is physical death. We all know that we're all going to die. Apart from God returning, apart from Christ returning to this earth, we're all going to die. And so that's part of it. But 
the worst part of that is the death that they're talking about here is the separation from God. So it's physical death, but it's also that, that death of being separated from God. That's the death that, that comes because of the sin in our lives. The things that we do that we know are wrong, and we do them anyway. And we can sit there and say, you know what, I'm not that bad. And God says, it only takes one. It's not a, 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 you know, a, a total. It's a, one thing. If, if you're not perfect, then you're not right in God's eyes. And then the end of Romans 6.23 says, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And this is Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ paid the penalty that we couldn't pay. You hear Matt say this all the time. He lived a life that we should have lived, and he died the death that we should have died. And his resurrection proves that God accepted his death as payment for our sins. Jesus conquered death. Not only the physical death, but he conquered the death of the separation between God and us. None of us deserve to be in God's presence because of sin. None of us. Myself included. But because of what Christ did on the cross, Christ said, I'm dying on this cross and I'm doing this in your place. He said, if you believe that to be true, that's the only way that you cross that border. You, um, you, you hear the picture a lot of times of, of the giant chasm. And we're standing on this giant chasm and we're looking over and heaven's on the other side and there's no possible way we can get there. We can sit there and go, hold on a second. And we can back up and we can try to run as fast as we can and jump. And we might get 10 feet or we might trip like me and I land right there. And we can sit there and go, and it doesn't matter if you've got 10 feet, you've got 20 feet. Maybe you're just amazing and you're going to go to the Olympics for chasm jumping and you can go 25 feet. You know what? Unless you're going to go the 2,000 feet or whatever, it doesn't matter. You're going to end up missing. But God said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm laying this cross down and I'm laying it over that chasm. If you walk across that cross... That's the way you get to God. It's through the cross of Christ, not by anything else. And we get this. So when we talk about heaven, when we talk about the fact of heaven being the place that God dwells, I want us to understand that's what the Bible teaches. That's how we get to heaven. Not by anything, not, not, not by trying to be good, good enough, but by understanding what Christ did for us and accepting that on the cross. And then Romans 10.9, it says, If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. We're saved, we're made right in God's eyes because of Christ. And I use this picture with the, the teens all the time. But God needs perfection to be in his presence. We have to be perfect to be in his presence. I don't know about you, but I just missed it. All right, I got mad last week and blew it. All right, 50 years, and I was almost there. But... Christ comes and he wraps himself around us. If we say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me. Jesus comes and he wraps himself around us. And he says, God, this is one of yours. So when God looks down, he doesn't see us as a sinner. He sees perfection through Jesus Christ. 
It's not our perfection, it's His that saves us. So I want to encourage you to think about that. Understand, that's what we're talking about. When we talk about what heaven is and how we get to heaven, it's nothing other than the cross of Christ. I want to make sure that's really clear as we go on here. Heaven is the place where God dwells. And that border is made uh, open because of the cross. Matthew 7, 13 and 14 says, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide. For the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. The, the, the gate to heaven isn't an easy one. It's, it says it's a hard one, but it's worth it in the end. And we're ambassadors, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5.20. says we are, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. The Bible says that we are Christ's ambassadors. We are God's ambassadors. We're speaking on God's behalf. I remember going to Mexico, and I remember I took, you know, six years of French, and so I'm fluent in English. And I remember going to Mexico, and I remember sitting there going, I'm so excited because I want to have a conversation. I'm so dumb. I'm in Mexico. And I actually start speaking some of the phrases I know in French, thinking, these guys must be amazed. And they're just looking at me like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And they're saying in Spanish, so I had no idea what they were saying. So, but I'm just going through this whole thing, and we're not having a conversation at all. But in the same way, when you try to talk to someone who doesn't believe in God, and really doesn't really want to believe in God, it sounds the same way. It's foreign. Because Google Translate doesn't work with God. You know, the, the Holy Spirit is, is God's Google Translate. That when we speak to them, we have to sit there and say, hey, I want to share with you what we just shared from Romans. And I want to trust God that he's going to be the one who's going to translate that and make it to where you understand it. God has not called any of us to save anyone else. God's called us to share the good news and allow him to do the work. And so that's what we're, we're called to, to do that. Earth, earth is temporary. Christ has prepared an incredible place for us. And on that trip... We're not there yet. Hebrews 11, this is 13 through 16. All these people were living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things know, show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country. A heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. As we close up here, Matt shared this, and I've heard this a number of times, that if you know Christ as your Savior, this earth that we're living in, this mess that we're living in, this is the worst it's ever going to get. This is it. This is the worst. If you don't know who Christ is, as your Savior. This is the best there is. And I want to have that hope of saying, God, I hope that this is the worst there is. hope there's something so much better out there, and I know there is. Thank God for that. If we're followers of Christ, we know that we're walking this earth looking toward heaven. 
I ran cross country in college. I don't know why, but I did. And running was painful. It was not fun. The only fun part was the last like 100 yards when I could see the finish and I knew that it's almost over. In the same way, we're running a race, the Bible tells us. And he says to finish strong. He says finish the race. Run that race knowing that there are times when it's painful. But knowing when you see the finish line, when you have your eyes on that finish line, how exciting that is. We're not there yet. Are we there yet? Thank God the answer is no. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you love us. Thank you for the hope of heaven. The fact that you're preparing a place for us right now. Lord, we can't even possibly imagine how awesome that's going to be. But Lord, we know that we can trust you. Even in this confusion, in this mess on this earth, in this life that we live. Sometimes it's because of decisions we've made. Other times, Lord, it's just because we don't understand. And we have to trust you in spite of all that. Lord, thank you so much for the fact that we aren't there yet. In your name, amen.